This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together, in serial form, during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 23 Written by Alan Drake Recorded by Alan Drake For more than two weeks your brother has been living in a phantasmagoric world, half real and half induced. Dreams informed his mind, and his fading mind informed his dreams. This is the same induced world that eventually came to kill my husband and our son before him. You're speaking of T.M., Tracy said with great sympathy. Yes, I'm beginning to see. With half-closed eyes, she leaned back into the plush high-backed chair. Wrapped in a soft, warm blanket, her legs tucked up casually, Tracy held a large cup of tea cupped in her firm, sure hands. Breathing in the smoky aroma, she released a quiet murmur of pleasure and took a sip. Her eyes closed. The dwindling logs made quiet pops in the open hearth before them. Lopsung Suchong, Elder said, hand-picked and flavored near Mount Uji in Fujiang province. This is not imposter tea. I know, Tracy responded. My favorite, with soy milk, too. Thank you. Tracy's eyes were open and inviting. A spoon of green silk ribbon rolled in short bounces across the floor, unraveled itself at Tracy's chair and trailed under it, quickly followed by three kittens of varying colors. The red tabby leading the charge leaped forward, hitting his head on Tracy's chair leg. The two women laughed deeply as, one piling into the other, the kittens rolled and clawed helplessly in the knotted mass of green silk. Both women bent over to free them. The swift tabby ran off to hunt on the other side of the room. With a fluffy calico in her lap and a hint of laughter still in her voice, Elder began. I once heard that Chuang Su dreamt he was a butterfly, Tracy explained to the smoky gray kitten in her lap, as it swatted earnestly at her mug. Yes, a butterfly, Elder continued, a happy butterfly, doing as he wished, being his true butterfly self. His dream was so real he didn't know that he was Chuang Su. And then, in a supreme rush, he awoke. But when he awoke, he didn't know if he were Chuang Su, continued Tracy, as if in the same breath, who had just dreamed he was a butterfly, or if he were now a butterfly dreaming he were Chuang Su, finished Elder. And with the same easy communion they returned to their cups, in spite of the curiosity of kittens. A hint of dawn was waking over the forest beyond the formal room. Slipping the kitten onto the seat, Elder rose from her chair and walked to the window. 
Would you like to meet them? Yes, very much, but I must say I am very tired, Tracy replied, surprised by her own straightforwardness. Then, Elder said, you can imagine how tired I must be. And they laughed. Nearly as tired as Trevor, Tracy was anxious to bring the conversation back to her brother. Let him sleep a little while longer, Elder said. We will speak, the three of us. After that, you and Trevor are on your own. And you, Elder? Elder is no more. Remember? There is only great-grandmother. Great-grandmother, Tracy repeated with some little awe. Grandmother Theresia would please me greatly. The gray kitten skittered off as Tracy rose and crossed to her great-grandmother at the window. Grandmother Theresia, Tracy echoed in an unexpectedly young voice, gazed out the window, shoulder to shoulder, with Theresia. The old woman smiled, drawing Tracy closer. My dear, my dear, together you and Trevor will become what I once was. Her arm encircled Tracy, and she turned her towards the growing daylight. But so much more, more than all who came before us, you have unraveled the mystery of that which killed husband and son, and killed so many before them, and you have saved more than your brother by its discovery. Yes, I do see. I understand now. Tracy said without thinking. They fed him his own curiosities, Theresia said, his own obsessions. They knotted his web of self-interest, as they did to my husband and son. They fixed them on themselves, so that they could see nothing more. They took our men's goodness from them, and made our line useless to anyone. They manipulated our line by encouraging things that don't matter. In the meanwhile, Tracy said, in their narrowness, they mistook everything important to be priceless. How? Theresia spoke. They created imaginary doppelgangers. All that happened to Trevor happened only in his imagination? Tracy asked. Yes. You were never comfortable contributing to his obsessions, were you? But out of love you helped him nonetheless. You didn't know how to communicate it, but you knew it was all wrong. You knew it needed to be changed. It needed a change of vision. We are no longer characters in anyone's novel, play, fantasy. And then you saw that they were all delusion, puffs of dust insubstantial and unreal. And now we know their source. Global, Tracy said. Her hands moved to her face, and she massaged it gently. Yes, but it's important not to lump everyone together. It's important not to demonize them. That would not be our way. It would be theirs. There are a handful that might have taught well here is where it becomes difficult how to reveal what doesn't serve mankind 
without being self-serving or equally destructive. Remember our motto. Yes, Tracy said. I must find a way to another way. You will. You and Trevor. At the sound of a door opening, the two women turned in a single motion to look over their shoulders. Be cheerful, sir, said a deep male voice rumbling from across the room. Trevor! Tracy ran to her brother. She hugged him and then spun him around and looked him up and down. Let him finish, Tracy, Elder said. Begin again, my handsome butterfly. Tell us. Trevor drew a shaky breath, almost tearful, and bowed to Theresia. Then resolutely he began again. Be cheerful, sir. And he stepped into Prospero's true being, and smiled at his sister, affecting a serious playfulness, his voice full of energy. He continued. Our revels now have ended. These are actors, as I have foretold you, were all spirits, and are melted into air, into thin air. And, like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherit, shall dissolve. And, like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. The two women applauded enthusiastically, and Trevor responded with a gracious bow of his head, and he smiled. Tracy grabbed her brother's hand again and pulled him energetically towards the window. Very good, very good, my brilliant Shakespeare, our grown-up butterfly. You pass the test. Yes, very good, said Elder, hugging Trevor who laughed and kissed her on the cheek. "'Let's go outside to meet the falcons,' said Tracy. Though her enthusiasm appeared childlike, she had already assumed her place in the world, in her own way, just as Trevor had transcended Prospero and now exuded a profound understanding of human suffering and joy. "'Now is the time,' Elder agreed, turning a hidden handle in the large paned window to swing the door section outward. Walking in a quick pace that belied her age, she swiftly passed through the dew-covered gardens. We have a lot to discuss before you leave. Then she stopped abruptly in her place and turned to the siblings. No more guns. No more weapons. No more intrigue. She held them in the silence of her sad gaze. The twins communicated an identical understanding with a measured turn of their heads. Elder moved in a similar way, and then said, You will meet the falcons, and you will give them your guile as a gift. How do I... the twins asked in unison. Look and listen, said Theresia and then you're off to clean up this mess. End of chapter 23 
Recorded on November 24, 2006, in Long Branch, New Jersey.